Oh, okay. Yes. Get that audio. Sure. The audio. Get, yeah. get, get, get. You can shout. Got some things you really want to talk about. Bundesweites Artist Labs sind eine Maßnahme des Fonds darstellende Künste, finanziert aus den Mitteln der Beauftragten yeah. der Bundesregierung im Rahmen der Neustadt. All right. Welcome to Re Pre Zen Tanz. Oh God, this doesn't get this doesn't get old. Um, thank you so much for taking time to be here to have a conversation with us, Paula Pau and Andras. Thank you. It's a pleasure. Thank you for inviting. The pleasure, the privilege, and the honor is all mine. <laughs> <laughs> so I would love to give a little introduction to each of you. Who shall? Well, the funny thing is that your timelines, your careers, actually intertwine and have such similarities right. um, that we're going to do a DP. <laughs> <laughs> I'm Go sorry. Off. Okay. Okay. Sorry. I have to cut that out. No, no, no. <laughs> that is too much. Okay. Um, both of you, at a very young age, Andras five, Paula Pau 14, started with theater. And then they both found to dance. Uh, Paula Pau started in Malaysia with a mix of traditional and contemporary dance with the beautiful choreographer Ada. Aida. Aida, sorry. And Andras started with this tender age of seven years with Isadora Duncan in Salvador, Brazil. And with 13 years, went to the Bolshoi School in Brazil, which is the only Bolshoi School outside of Russia. 2016, the paths collided at the Folkwang Universität der Künste in Essen. 2020, both of you graduated and had your well, I wouldn't say first performance but had a performance together with Ben J Ripe company choreographed by Ben J Ripe called Geschöpfe 2020 Andras also released their first track called Mutants Mixtape 2021 both of you received the Take Care residency with Palapau's piece called Eco queerness and Andras after present. That same year, <laughs> both of you uh, created a beautiful work together called Imminent Arrival, which was with the program called Now and Next from Tanzhaus, which then led to the Sprungbrett Tanzrecherche, where you were able to deepen the piece, which was then performed at Festival Tanz NRW. And in that same year, because it wasn't enough, <laughs> Andras released their first EP, Cuerpo Temperamental, which recently, this year, was on a European tour. Last year. Last year. Oh, my bad. Last year on a European tour in Europe. Then <laughs> um, 2023, uh, Paula Pau danced the beautiful piece called Maria Sensaru. Chancharu. <laughs> Why did I? <laughs> Maria Chancharu. I'm sorry, Raymond. Uh, choreographed by Raymond Liu. I said that name right? Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, 
which then introduced you and um, brought you to Ballroom, which you are now slaying in. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Thank you so much for being here. So I'm going to get started. We're concentrating a little bit on Corona and the past path that happened. And judging from your career, actually, things seem to have gone quite smoothly. Um, of thinking of the Corona situation, the restrictions, but also creating new funding opportunities, which you clearly benefited from. So coming into the world where you can actually perform and entering the professional realm, do you feel like that was a, a hindrance or do you feel like that actually made it easier to start researching with yourself before entering the, in quote, public domain? I think it somehow helped mm, me at least to uh, understand the whole funding system um, th uh, during the corona time that the the Fondaku gave like these different funding to um, young artists who just finished their university and for example in Anavid, like the Landes Bureau, they also offer like um, different classes to like on how to apply um, fundings mm -hmm. and how to do a financial plans and stuff and I think that definitely helps like me to you know apply do like do the applications yeah yeah but on the other side um like the work that has been done in this period wasn't necessarily then performed before an audience mm -hmm. so um we have definitely like imminent arrival is definitely a covid victim mm. Mm. so because we we couldn't perform before an audience so we performed it through like in a live stream um and then after that things moved on so at the same time that financially perhaps with fundings and having the possibility to research and have something to hold on to after university um like artistically or like the, the the result of that was then like a bit victimized by covid mm -hmm. yeah which brings me to the piece um can you talk us a little bit about this piece its history and its process <laughs> yes should i do it mm -hmm. um so basically paul and i uh were folkwang and we have been um <laughs> so we were not the only visibly queer people at the time mm -hmm. <clears throat> but we've been definitely um yeah like one of the first people to sort of like bring in the topic at the time um that's when i started to stay them pronouns and um just being like visibly much more feminine than i am today um and that's sort of like what got us together to research on ways of surviving an institution that was necessarily not really not necessarily very um friendly towards a um, perception of gender that isn't binary mm -hmm. um but then we also were deeply interested in faith and spirituality and we looked in both of our, um, the backgrounds of our families, and we saw that despite being a very conservative uh, religious 
believes there was so much space for camp mm-hmm. and for being flamboyant and being in in, in very non-Western ways. Mm-hmm. So your family comes from... From a Taoist um, religion. It's like a folk practice that um, from China, but I mean, the, it's the influence from China, but in Malaysia, the whole practice is like broadens up and, and, and changed. And my family has an evangelist background, which is Christian, but it's still extremely theatrical. And yeah, and through that, we created first a dance piece, like a short dance piece of three minutes, so a choreography. And then with the researches, we started to, you know, like deepen it and um, aggregate even more topics. So it came from, but that's where it came from, basically. Mm -hmm. It started from faith like finding faith in conservative spaces exactly and then you went to performativity and spirituality spirituality and how these two things come together so you only performed it virtually or did you at the end in the festival get to also perform it live no we also we only perform it like um at the end of the residency we just uh make a dance film and we just showcase it on the um festival is this dance film available to the public? No. no. <laughs> <laughs> but it can be. Right. Right. To an invitation to another festival. Yeah. Right. Okay. Hello. <laughs> um, so, Andras, for you, did you... Uh, well, before that, you opened... You opened... You did your first, um, your first track. Did you incorporate your musical abilities also during this research during this creation period yes not so much because um at that time i was still pretty much in the beginning of learning how to make actually electronic music um but i signed the soundtrack for the uh, showing at tantals and rv for knowing x so we did like some recordings and i and i produced it yeah Mm. so it was used somehow multi-talented over here um coming to 2023 i'm gonna go to marias and chen chao <laughs> whoop almost made the same mistake twice um that was your like your uh, introduction to ballroom or were you introduced before mm-hmm. i mean um before that i did some workshop with ray mm-hmm. um like on and off and i've been to like a ball i've walked also but i didn't really like um enter the community because i didn't feel like it was the right time for me at the time and um then when i started um to work with raymond and teddy from malaysia they are a trailblazer from malaysia and we have been training like every day and i felt that yeah it's my time to you know like that to enter the space and to yeah to be part of it and i get to witness some of these beautiful walks live (laughs) right so both of you incorporate or are inspired by your queerness um a lot and especially in your works and your collaborations and who you choose to work with um do you sometimes feel that writing applications or finding fundings that that is the only way for you to get it or do you feel like uh queerness is just no matter what you produce it's going to be queer and that's that's that 
That is a fucked up question I'm asking you. It's <laughs> <laughs> like, did that make sense? Did that make yeah, sense? Sure. Yeah, sure. Yeah. I believe that mm, like as a trans person or as a queer person, you no matter what you produce, there's always like um the transness or the queerness in in your work mm -hmm. that um you don't necessarily has to talk about it mm -hmm. because it's presence because it's you and it's always going to be there no matter what you like no matter what you talk about mm -hmm. or what you want to work with yeah yeah i also think that it can definitely become a trap mm -hmm. and especially because i mean how can i say <clears throat> i mean tokenism yeah and i think we also were pretty much aware of that and mm -hmm. tried not to use it because we were genuinely interested in these topics but i think talking about that in this specific moment definitely helped us getting funding maybe mm -hmm. or getting opportunities um but i don't i don't know i don't think i felt limited to it mm -hmm. but um but maybe i did like maybe scared of not talking about it and not getting the funding mm -hmm. right or something like that yeah it's hard to say it is <laughs> like, but I, I totally agree no matter even if it's a, a a love story it's it's definitely going to be a different different love it's a queer love which is incomparable to um heterosexual love but then again love is always uncomparable to each other word <laughs> you ate that <laughs> um yeah it, it, that kind of leads me to the, the queer baiting question uh now everybody wants to be diverse and inclusive to some time to a performative aspect and you both of you being very young to the scene and bringing a lot of new ideas and new perspectives do you feel like you want to work with these companies you want to do these things or do you feel more um repelled and want to do your own thing like how much are you willing to collaborate with older or different people outside of the community i don't think i've ever thought about it like in a in a conscious way i mm -hmm. think I mean, we have been working, of course, in a team that's very diverse mm -hmm. and that includes all sorts of backgrounds. Um, I also think that community can be a trap mm -hmm. um, or like using community as sort of sort of the only thing you you um, you do work for or with um, in the sense that yeah like just thriving as a migrant um it's just it's just very complicated mm -hmm. um so i think i think it depends on what conditions and i think it depends on how one's able to assert themselves inside the spaces and what kind of support is being given and awareness mm -hmm. so yes yes <laughs> <laughs> You, you want to have some you want you want to eat too <laughs> okay yeah i also totally see that like awareness and safer spaces and creating this atmosphere which we have definitely also tried to incorporate here by making our participants mainly um 
queer or feminist or cis women uh, just to create a safer space where we as organizers feel welcome and I hope that kind of works but it is really difficult to create a common awareness because so many people have so many different paths experiences and like we we've heard today and around some people have never really interacted with queerness which brings me to my point of accessibility or not willingness to collaborate but like information educate um what is your perspective there like how much should a marginalized person be educating non-marginalized people Mm. who's supposed to do the work yes i think after the conversation today i've been asking myself about this Mm. a lot like should i be the one who is educating the the people who are not aware of this um topics when they have the accessibility or they have the privilege to understand the topics by themselves before you know coming to like taking spaces Mm -hmm. yeah like that was my question should i be the one who is educating them because i i don't want to just keep educating people because it's not my responsibility i also want to live and just you know be myself and not try educating people about me every day because there are so much resources that one can find on google or like other books and stuff that one can read and stuff so and especially these days like when it comes to diversity when it comes to like queerness it's everywhere like because it has been a like a global discourse like for the past few years and you can find everything basically everywhere so yeah i also think it's quite dangerous to not focus on aiding marginalized people mm-hmm. or not focusing on distributing healthcare for trans people, for example, especially trans black women, um, but to focus on, yeah, educating cis white privileged people um, because then it's like this whole thing of like taking, yeah, I think we're focusing in the wrong in, in, in who, who needs less. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's a dangerous discourse. And I think the education, this word is also a bit dangerous mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. it's a whole systematic oppression. Mm. And also through awareness, we've been we've been actually discussing this, mm-hmm. that we've been noticing that there has been much more um, queer queer phobia. We have been noticing right. that because of awareness and mm-hmm. that now, the transphobes they know that you're transgender and they have the terms or you know so um even through that it's it's kind of it's kind of difficult so it's definitely not up to the marginalized communities to be doing this work because it's so complex yeah it's Mm -hmm. not it's not just information also when it comes to visibilities it always comes with violence also behind that Mm. because when you perform like a trans bodies perform on stage people are like okay happy clap for the 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 shine on stage and stuff blah 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 but at the end of the day the trans person has to go back home themselves Mm. and nobody's talking about their safety nobody's supporting them in this way you know like are you safe do you you need help do you need a company to go back home Mm. you know this is always the thing that they want the cake but they don't want to pay that is like the exact same point 
that where we where we ended up with with L and Black Pearl, um, this we celebrate you on stage <laughs> and on stage only. It's, mm. it's like um, like Pride Month. It's mm. so obvious. You see flags, rainbow flags everywhere. All the corporates they are there and like you know showing like flags and stuff. The train, but the train is not taking care of our safety. What, why do they put this flag? You know, like they're not at the end of the day after the primary is over. That's it. Goodbye. You live your life. You die. The next day. Problem. The next yeah. day. <laughs> like gay police cars. Right. Oh, mm. Cringe. I'm going to leave that there. Okay. <laughs> but it's going to circle back in a second anyway, because in every podcast, I ask the previous podcast to, to ask a question to the next one. And there's a question for you. Well, this is rather reflective more. Um, with the knowledge of what you know today, would you do something differently? I mean, no regrets, not a single letter, but you know, this is like a quiz show. <laughs> with the knowledge of what you know today, would you do something differently? Definitely. <laughs> so many things. We're going to keep it on, on the professional level. Mm -hmm. uh, <laughs> I think, yeah. Um, yeah, definitely. Like, um, open for more, like, collaborations. Mm -hmm. Like, um, open doors for, like, people who needs, um, you know, like, who is in the same community, who is in the same struggle, like, to to build up more collaborations that it's that we don't just keep, keep keep like you know like we are in this together and we should do this together instead of like trying to because in the dance community let's say we we're talking mm -hmm. about dance no mm -hmm. like um i guess before corona there's a lot of like this gatekeeping or like this ego of like oh should we share this should we not and i think after this week or like through the discussion i realized that yeah collaboration is something that we should do more mm -hmm. Is there a specific group that you you would be like <coughs> think like I'd never collaborate with you, but now you're rethinking like maybe I should. Not right now. Not right now. <laughs> <laughs> same. Uh, yeah. Same collaboration. Yeah. Being more open about that. Yeah, totally. Mm. I think mm -hmm. when you leave any uh, like a big institution, and especially in an RV, where we're so many, not so many, but we have a few big dance schools. And there is so much about this and that and that's cool and that's cool. And after you leave, you just notice like, okay, that's actually all not real. Because, <laughs> you know, when school's over, school's over, time to work. Um, and we're just people. So, yeah. And I also think like offering help. Mm -hmm. That's the thing, like mm -hmm. helping each other. And that's the thing that I guess we learned like during the corona times that when it comes to like funding and stuff we were learning at the time and now we have a bit more knowledge about like you know we could have like helped so many people in you know like getting fundings and share like resources with them how to get the funding how to write how to apply love that thank you um now i'm going to go to the theme representants a little bit performing here or performing in Germany or other cities in Europe or noticing, okay, this is a more diverse crowd and it's giving me this and ah, okay, I know I'm in a predominantly white space performing for predominantly white people. 
what does the what does the public give you a lot Mm -hmm. yeah yeah like i've been having i had the experience and the luxury of touring last year Mm -hmm. with my music um i mean i dance a lot on the show as well and it's like a full performance in the space and i'm very close to the audience and it was really incredible like how every show is so different um and especially because performing music live like in the in the setting of a pop concert which is my case an experimental pop concert it's so different than the the theater space so when you're like in night venues with people getting drunk and everything um yeah like having a diverse but also a queer audience for a solo performer with a microphone like in their hand it's just so different so i could notice like to each country i would go the wider you would get the the colder you would feel mm-hmm. or the less safe you would feel um yeah so i think definitely yeah. mm-hmm. and the, the sort of feedback you get is also very dependent on that like in, in terms of dance i think it's the same like it's also like when you're on stage when you talk about certain topics and um, that doesn't resonate to the audience you know there is this certain kind of like especially in this uh, german um audience mm-hmm. there is like this certain politeness to you or like there's mm. this certain expectations to mm-hmm. see like queer trans body like pe- like from not they are non german non non white they are there doing things and you know there's like this weird gaze let's put it like this or like even in ballroom right <laughs> that's what it was about yeah, that was about oh okay, okay. About the white gaze and expectation towards like um queer bodies on stage and when it comes to ballroom i think it's also the same mm-hmm. like um that there was this kiki ball and when uh, in hamburg i guess was the fogel ball like mm-hmm. you can feel the a huge difference when the um the audience is like predominantly um white and has no idea about ballroom it's there is this lack of respect towards mm, like these yeah. people and i also don't feel safe even in my own community mm-hmm. with them being present it's not your own community anymore right mm. Mm. now switching it from a performer perspective to being an audience member what's the vibe what do you feel when you see yourself represented throw it at me mm-hmm. i feel happy <laughs> like <laughs> I, i think i feel like um recognized or like i feel like okay i can resonate with the stories and i can um yeah like i'm of course every experience are different and maybe i could like relate to certain experience and not yeah happy happy empowered i guess mm. yeah i think representation although it's not everything but definitely like was definitely one of the reasons why i could keep on doing that and reinventing myself so mm-hmm. i think yeah empowered well i feel very empowered and happy <laughs> <laughs> and I'm, i'm yeah empowered and happy that you're here and we had this this beautiful conversation i would like to leave the room open if you you have anything you want to throw into the room got a question got an answer it was cute <laughs> <laughs> thank you Thank Very you. lovely. Thank you. Well, don't forget to follow us on all social media platforms. Right. You are listening to Re Pre Zen Tans. Ah, thank you a lot. Thank you.
Thank you for listening and tune into our. Lo- love our love love our producing team up in here. <laughs> question. <laughs> Wait. Talking about leaving something in the room. Is there a question that you would like to leave for our next guest? Can it be something poetic? Yes. Okay. Let's go. Um. So, how many times did you have to die in order to survive? I agree. That is also that is also like a, a major question that we've been having um, with these discussions outside of this podcast. Mm-hmm. And it's very interesting to see what our ne- next guest has to say about that. And then I'm going to put in the same exit. Represents <laughs> You can shout. Got some things you really want to talk about. Bundesweites Artes Labs sind eine Maßnahme des Fonds Darstellende Künste, finanziert aus den Mitteln der Beauftragten der Bundesregierung für Kultur und Medien im Rahmen der Neustadtkultur.